Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have the folks who help others create and grow their businesses, and the do-it-yourselfers like to have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, in fact, many of our listeners who tune in every week are all four of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also check us out on networks like iTunes. Every five-star rating, greatly appreciated, helps us help more business creators just like you. And be sure to subscribe. Fresh content every week, and over 200 episodes will be available for your immediate perusal on a variety of topics relevant to business creators today. So what we're going to talk about in this episode are proven tips for business planning, removing the fear and stress. Now, the fact is, and I've seen this a lot, most entrepreneurs, small business owners, uh, 2 to 10, believe it or not, don't have a business plan. Even myself, my first few years in business, I didn't have a business plan. Now, it was almost like a dare. Let's see how long I can go without a business plan. Uh, people want to take the bull by the horns and just giddy up and, and dive in without worrying about any of that business planning stuff. Well, that's what they tell themselves. But what I think is going on, and we're going to find out more about this as we go through the next few minutes, is I think there's actually a fear and a stress that goes along with actually planning your business. And we're going to explore that in some detail, and we're going to find out if my hypothesis is true. It may be true. Maybe it's not true. And But to demystify that for us, we have on board David Brown, the business plan answer man. Let's tell you a little bit about Dave. He's a leader in business planning. His message is designed to help entrepreneurs understand the need for a business plan and remove the fear and pain of writing the plan. An in-demand speaker and consultant who has helped many clients write their business plan to meet requirements of lenders and operate their business, he shares his 25-plus years' experience owning and operating a business that saves entrepreneurs time and money. His first book, called From the Bottom Up, The Ultimate Guide for Business Planning and Profitability, is a step-by-step guide for writing a business plan in a no-nonsense format. His second book, Journeys to Success, 21 Empowering Stories, uh, empowering stories Inspired by the Success Principles of Napoleon Hill, released in March of 2016, became an international bestseller on its release. Uh, very interestingly, I was also part of a Journeys to Success book. It was a different one that David was part of, but he and I have both taken that same journey. Both of David's books have received stunning reviews from a wide range of leaders in the business, marketing, and sales arenas. His work has been featured on Blog Talk Radio, Bold Radio, Partners in Success, Journey to Success Radio Network, and now the Business Creators Radio Show. So, David, welcome aboard. Thank you, Adam. Thank you uh, for having me in those kind words. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak with you and uh, share the message with your listeners. Well, we're looking forward to it, and as our listeners know, um, I usually 
tend to dominate the first 10 minutes of the conversation. But then it's really going to be mostly you sharing with us, which is going to be fantastic. And what I also tell our listeners is not only am I the host of the Business Creators Radio Show, but I also have my pad and two pens out ready to take notes looking for the slight edge in my business. So I'm down in the audience with our listeners learning from you. And another piece of advice, and I give this on just about every episode, is make sure you have a pad of paper and two pens available. Everybody says, have your pad of pen and paper ready. I say two pens because what happens is you run out of ink. Uh, or you have a situation like me where my cat will jump right up on the table, very casually take my pen in her mouth and saunter off with it and then drop it on the floor out of my reach. She's done this twice today so far where I wasn't paying enough attention to catch her. This will always happen when you're listening to a podcast or an interview right when the big aha moment is coming through to have two pens ready, little success tip. David, before we dive into the topics that we're going to cover today, and I know you have a lot to share with us, uh, tell us a little bit more for our listeners who are just now getting to know you about your personal journey. I, I read off your bio, very impressive stuff, but tell us just a little bit more about the specifics of your personal journey that have led you to this place where you are now serving business creators from your intersection of brilliance and passion. Well, um uh... I came out of a factory many, many moons ago, lost my job due to a uh, strike, and answered an ad in a newspaper looking for an insurance agent. Well, you know, so I said, well, you could do this, and talking to friends and mentors. And, right. And so I applied for that, and so I spent 25 years as an insurance agent actually running my own agency. And over the years, I'd always had, you know, some of the basic concepts of a business plan, but never had it all polished up in one nice big document. Right. Uh, so towards the end of my career with the insurance, our parent company says, we want a full-blown business plan from every agent. Yeah, no problem. I just pull everything together, fluff <laughs> it, buff it, make it look pretty, and submitted it. But what happened is I had some newer agents that, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Help me, help me. And so I sat down with them and just started talking, asking them questions about their business. And they, after a couple hours, they said, well, yeah, but what am I going to do? I said, well, just write down what you just told me because you, in essence, told me your business plan. And both of them looked at me like I was nuts. And I said, well, think about what you just told me. And they started doing that. And all of a sudden, you ought to be teaching this stuff. Well, that's when the light went on above my head. And uh, rather than start just jumping into it, I started writing the uh, from the bottom up. And so I, over right. my years, I've learned so much what it takes to run a business. And so when I wrote that book, it came to my thought in mind, right, what would I want to have in my hand if I was just now starting all this? And so right. I went back and took everything I've learned over my last 25 years and since then, now uh, learned even more. But and put it in there, no nonsense. You know, I, as one of my college professors used to say, is I don't like big words like delicatessen. So I left out the big words because I've read many business planning books over uh, the time frame of my career and came away more right. confused than I was when I started them. And so. <laughs> 
because of, oh, yeah, I have to have a dictionary on some of these things uh, to look them up. And I said, no, that's not what I want. So I took all that uh, and put it all together and started helping people that way. And since that time, it's just uh, because we all continue to learn and learn more and more. So the first book was The Average Joe because I was like so many people that had left a corporate employment and started their own business because they couldn't find another job. And since right. that time, because of all that I've learned and applied and continue to learn, um, we've moved from just being your average Joe that's just really getting into this to now really delving into the business plan answer man where I'm kind of one of a go-to people that is sought out to try to help other people that don't even want to start where I started 25 years ago. And it right. was during that time it, I was introduced to Napoleon Hill and paid, you know, that journey along with everything else because when I started that, my uh, direct uh, manager that I reported to gave me Think and Grow Rich. And he says, read this, study it, and read it and study it. So that became my my go-to book. So applying those principles on top of the uh, day-to-day stuff that we as business owners don't have a clue when we first start out. And so that's where I came from early on, the condensed version of it up till this point. Well, and, you know, I think that's really great. A couple things jump out at me. Um, David, I'm able to articulate my inspirations with a very voluminous vocabulary. At the same time, I recognize that uh, there's a time to be uh, very eloquent in your diction, and there's also a time to be simple. Uh, And what I see with business plans sometimes myself is they use words that I bet you even attorneys, some of your most brilliant attorneys need to have a dictionary and a thesaurus next to them to understand. It just gets way overboard uh, in terms of, you know, let's go really overboard to fluff this up and make it look like a really intense document. Uh, another thing about business planning is I think that there are some folks out there who don't grasp exactly what we mean by business planning. They think that they're creating a plan or they're creating a document that has a bunch of stuff on it. In some cases, when people say business plan, that's exactly what they're looking for. They want you to write down what is your plan for managing and growing your business, which everybody should have. But to me, I think business planning goes a little bit beyond that. And uh, so let's start with the, the very beginning is what are some of the issues that you see most people have with business planning and what advice do you give them? Well, when I first sit down with people and start talking with them, one of the things that they go kind of following your concept, they don't understand what they're, what's needed to be in a business plan why they even need it to start with, especially if they're not seeking a, a funding. And so I try to explain people that this is the roadmap. You know, it's just like going on vacation. You plan your vacation, your business should be that same way. And something that's very simple to understand is, right, we're going we're gonna to follow out this plan and process as we go through this, and we're going to pick out what step, where we want to be at any given point in time in our journey. And, and that's what I think of it as is, from startup to success is a journey, and a lot of them, are, they overthink it, and, and they get scared. It's, well, what do I want to, you know, how do I want to do this? Who's going to see this? What am I going to do? And they really 
don't want to start because they're scared of the where they're going to find the information that goes in it, to, let alone what should be in it actually. Uh, and it really draws them off guard, and they're kind of nervous. And then they'll t- talk to somebody, well, you should do this, this, and this, but they're getting bad advice because it's probably from somebody that has never done it as well. So it compounds their fear, and it's just where do I start, how do I start, and let's just break it down in chunks is the, is the way I like to do it, just concentrate on one topic at a time, and we kind of help ease them into it. Yeah, you know, I think that that makes a lot of a lot of sense, and I remember when I was in uh, MBA school, I had two opportunities to develop business plans. One was which was actually within the context of a of a course on financial accounting, where we had to create a business plan around whether or not a company should perform a certain function of its business in house, or whether they should outsource it. And in, in order to create this financial analysis cost benefit, we went through the business planning process. And then the other was um, in my MBA program, a course called entrepreneurship. Now, this was really the only course I took through the entire course of my MBA program that I think was even available on the topic of entrepreneurship at the time. This was about 15, 16 years ago, and some things have changed. But the, but the entire purpose of that class, what we did the entire semester, was learn how to write a business plan geared towards seeking and securing funding. As you might have guessed, the adjunct professor who taught that class was a business loan officer at a local bank. Yep, and those, you know, they're looking for certain things. And when uh, I sat down and I've interviewed uh, several loan officers, you know, what are you looking for? When you look at a business plan, what's the one thing that you look for that stands out more than others? And, And a large portion of them says how they present their idea to me. It's not about what's in the plan, but it's the passion in which they describe their business opportunity. Right. Because if if they don't have passion, when they're telling me, well, I want to sell this product and this is how I'm going to make it and really get into it, they're not going to be successful because their heart's not into it. Very true. And that is one of the key pieces. And then the other one uh, that business loan officers – look at is one of them asked me, well, how much does it cost you to operate your business every day? I said, well, let me turn that around a little bit. I said, the key question that I like to ask my clients is, how much does it cost you to put your key in the lock? And and I get that deer in the headlights look. And it's, well, what are you talking about? Well, we all have fixed costs, whether you work out of your home or whether you have a bricks and mortar. What does it take to cover your fixed expenses just to keep your doors open on a daily basis? And sharing that, you know, with your key staff and having them understand that, you know, we have to make this amount of sales today in order to cover your salary and the utility bills and the rent and, you know, a few other things. And they're looking at that. Um, The one told me about a a gentleman come in, wanted to start a restaurant, had his draft menu there, everything else, and he looked at him, and he's looking down his menu, and he says, well, how much does this plate here cost uh, spaghetti marinara or whatever he had? He pulled out, and he said, well, the product costs this much to make it. And this, he had not a clue about 
how much it costs to buy all his utensils, his dishes, his electricity, his staff, when he priced his product. He wasn't going to make money no matter how hard he tried. So when when these loan officers are looking at their prospect of uh, customers, they want to know that you understand all this concept. Yeah, there's a lot of costs that, that's not on your document but or on your price sheet, but it better be built into it. And as new startups, they don't understand that. And so when he asked me that, and when I turned around my question to him, he just started smiling. He says, because he says, you understand that. I said, well, yeah, you know, I've been, been doing this for years as far as trying to cover my costs. And it, uh, it was something that he said, well, I want to use your question now. I like it better than mine. But it's having that concept of, yes, it's going to cost me, whether we sell a product today, I need to have this amount of money covered for this day. Well, you know the old thing about uh, business startups, once they acquire employees, that uh, you know, let's say they're supposed to get their paychecks every two weeks. And so Friday, 1 o'clock comes along, and uh, they get their paychecks. Everybody rushes to the bank right then and there. It's like, uh, we better get this thing cash because we don't know what it's going to look like by 2 o'clock. Let's get the money before something happens. And the reality of startups and the reality of smaller businesses is oftentimes that's how it works. See, folks who work for somebody else and get a paycheck for a living, and I don't put that down at all because everybody, I mean, every entrepreneurial venture needs employees if they're going to grow beyond being a solopreneurial or a small venture. But what employees don't see very often is all those roller coasters that the entrepreneurs do. But the leaders of the business do see the roller coaster and what often has to happen just to meet payroll. Uh, I had this friend once uh, years and years ago. Um, he was one of the first people who introduced me to the concept of entrepreneurship, and he owned a medical supply company. And what he explained to me, and it actually made sense when he explained it to me, even though I hadn't started my business yet, he said, look, I've got 25 people working for me who are counting on a paycheck every second Thursday or every other Thursday. Uh, what they don't see is how Thursday morning the payroll count is $25,000 short, and I spend that morning coming up with the $25,000 so their checks won't bounce. So a lot of people go from the paycheck world to the entrepreneur world without understanding that that quote-unquote secure paycheck that they were used to getting before they caught the entrepreneurial bug wasn't nearly as secure as they thought it was. So they missed concepts like, well, what does it cost just to turn the key in the door, to turn the key in the lock, which is even if we don't make any money today, how much is it going to cost us just to be open for eight hours? Exactly. Uh, and one of the things that uh, – I came, you know, understanding it took me about five years to really learn that concept because I never had any employees when I first went in because of the way that our company was structured. And when I had to hire my first staff, that was a an eye-opener because just like you said, trying to make sure we have payroll and we don't realize as an entrepreneur, you got to pay 15% of Social Security instead of seven and a half. Right. And that is a big change when, you know, hey, every Friday, like you say, there's money in the bank. And I always shared my goals with my staff, my, especially my office manager. She knew how much money we had to take in every day. 
because she was in the office. Her her philosophy was my job description and duties are to keep you in front of people outside the office. And so she ran the office. And so I came in late one day because I was out on appointments. And I said, well, how was the morning? And she says, well, I covered my salary and expenses for the week. What'd you do? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that's how critical it is to make sure your key staff understand what's in your business plan because they're the ones that are going to help implement it. And she would always come up with something along those lines just to let me know that she was paying attention. And and God love her because uh, she did a fantastic job, but, she was the one that kept me in line and said, all right, you need to do this. You were, you know, this is where we're at. And so, because she tracked everything for me. But having the right people know what you've written down and where you want to go is a huge part of, of being a business owner or entrepreneur just so that somebody can keep you on track. Right. And, you know, that is, I remember when I was first starting out as an entrepreneur and I was first getting clients and I actually said to one of my clients and I, I still smack myself over this, although um, I learned very quickly why this is a mistake for me to say this. I said, you know, look, my purpose here is to fulfill a function. Um, it's not my concern whether or not it generates revenue or not. Because the role that I was playing with that client, you wouldn't think of as being the type of thing where you're actually going out and helping customers or getting customers. It was really a very back-end thing. I was in a very different business at the time. But what I learned very quickly, uh, because my clients uh, offered that I could like leave right then if I wasn't interested in making money for a business, was that no matter what you do in an organization or who you hire in an organization, you need to have as a very important consideration, what does their work do? to help bring in money? What does their work do to help make sure that you can turn the key in the lock? Uh, I mean, think about just the role that the receptionist does. They are the front line of the business. Uh, A person's interaction with the reception could potentially impact a six or seven figure deal. Got to think about that. Uh, The person whose job it is to make sure the websites are up. Well, if the websites are down, uh, this business is not going to make money. And they're going to look bad for anybody who researches the business and sees the website is down. So they play right there two direct roles in helping to make sure there's enough money to turn the key in the lock. So what I love that you're pointing out for us, David, is that no matter what you think of in terms of a business plan, that you need to think about not only how am I going to meet these financial goals, but just how are we going to, how are we going to turn the lights on every morning? So I don't think I need to uh, ask you a question like, well, gee, is it true that business planning is more than just filling out a document? But what are some of the things that you do with your clients and your customers, David, to help them understand uh, maybe some of the anecdotes, maybe some of the points you make that uh, bring it home to them that by creating a business plan, it's not just a matter of downloading a template all the inter- on the Internet and plugging in your information in the blanks and saying, voila, look, I have a business plan. Well, one of the first questions a lot of them ask me is, how long does a business plan, you know, how big is it? You know, as far as, is it a three-pager, is it 50 pages? And every business is different. I have seen business plans from cocktail napkins to a novel. Now, I wouldn't recommend a cocktail napkin, but you could summarize it up in very short order, but having them understand that, you know, what 
you see as your business goals and understand it, where you want to be is part of it. We sit down and we talk about their vision, you know, where you want to take the business. Some of them are happy just replacing their paycheck that they lost. And right. some of them have visions of, you know, I want to be able to franchise this. I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to do this. And those re- become real fun because you're looking, you're, you're thinking long term. Okay, we got to get to this level before we can even think about this and understand that, you know, we're planning this journey together. And so we're looking at one little piece at a time so that they can sit there and understand who's your customer. And, oh, everybody's my customer. Well, I'm sorry to say if that's your philosophy, and I learned this the hard way uh, before I really had some good education, that not everybody's your customer. You have to niche down to a tight group to understand it. Yeah, you've got a certain group that want to do business with you and need what you're offering. And then the tighter you bring that down, Actually, more business you can do because you can direct your focus to a very uh, slim margin, like let's go fishing. You know, you're instead of using a dip net approach or or a big net, you're going to bring it down to a single line. So you can focus on just this type of customer base. And then a lot of them are misconceived that uh, they don't see that. And so they're thinking this great big huge picture that we got to reach all these people to market our services instead of trying to narrow it down. And so we spent a lot of time uh, with my clients just trying to get them to focus down. And I had a hard time doing this with my business coaches to bring it down tighter and tighter and tighter. But I understand the need uh, and why and how. So we work a lot with that so then we can focus where we want to market, how we want to market to reach this specific population. And so these, my clients, is um, they'll sit there and, and still have fight me on it because they still can't grasp that smaller picture that they want to focus because they don't see that their time should be spent in one area. They want to think all of it. But we finally under, get them to understand that approach of doing that real fine targeted marketing to a certain population that's going to benefit them the most and make them the most money. Yeah, and you know what you point out uh, at the very beginning of uh, what you just said there is people come into entrepreneurship for different reasons. Some want to grow a really big business, so they want to plan all those steps. And then there's those that, you know, we're making a paycheck and, uh, and just want to basically replace that paycheck plus get some of the perks of entrepreneurship. I'm going to cite the most low-hanging fruit example of that. Are folks who work in, for companies in an administrative assistance type capacity who want to become virtual assistants. Now, the reality is, uh, if you're an administrative assistant for a company, unless you're like the senior executive administrative assistant to the uh, CEO of a Fortune 100, you're probably making somewhere between thirty and forty thousand dollars a year if you're well paid. Um, as an entrepreneur, you really don't have to do all that much to replace $40,000 and get to enjoy benefits like I can take my kids to school every day, I can pick up my kids from school, I can be there for their soccer practice. If I ever need to go to the dentist, I can go right now instead of waiting two weeks. I can take days off when I want to. 
But in order to enjoy that, you still need to have a plan. So here are some of the questions when somebody comes to me and they want that type of business, which I call a lifestyle business, mm -hmm. that, that oftentimes they don't think of. I, I ask, okay, so in order to, let's say you, have, you made $30,000 as an administrative assistant, uh, and you want to make $40,000 as a virtual assistant, plus enjoy all the perks of entrepreneurship. Okay, you're thinking smart. I like this. But how many clients do you need to have to ensure $40,000? Uh, what percentage of the pie should each one of those clients be? Um, how do you treat a whale client versus a minnow client? Uh, what technology do you need to have in order to serve those clients? Uh, what is your strategy for continually attracting leads and prospects so as clients drop off or attrition out, you're replacing them with new clients? Because $40,000 a year can become $20,000 a year real quick if you haven't answered those questions. And what's stunning is how rarely they've even thought about that, much less can just make up an answer for me to make it seem like they thought about it. Exactly. And the other, you know, people see entrepreneurs, they think that there's all this free time. And it's a, mis a huge misconception out through there that they don't see the 80-hour weeks that we put in some weeks and right. all the behind the stuff going, oh, they're just doing this or this, uh, not really working that hard, and they get this false sense that I can do that. But they, I, I've talked to many people, well, just you know, run it through the business. Well, I am the business. You know, whatever uh -oh. I do, you know, and <laughs> – you know, and you want to take them out and hit them with a wet noodle or something, but there's that common misconception that entrepreneurs uh, don't work that hard. And I and right. just and I have this uh, conversation with so many people. And Jim Palmer describes entrepreneur and small business owner in in a very nice way. That yeah, and I think this is really worth noting is that small business owner is basically. They want to create a job for themselves. You know, I lost my job here. I'm going to start this up so I can go to work every day. Where yeah. the entrepreneur, they're looking at multiple income streams and how can I maximize my time and knowledge and, and expertise to create multiple income streams that can carry this long after so it will make money for me and I don't have to work that hard. Yeah. And there's you know, a I, huge – go ahead. Go ahead, David. No, no, you go ahead. You, I, was, well, I, didn't, I, I thought you were done, but go ahead. No, and I think that until people understand that there is a difference in how you describe what you're looking for, uh, and that's the key. And so many people start a business for the wrong reason. Right. They think, uh, I want freedom. Well, freedom comes with a price. Are you willing to pay the price? True. You know, here's, here's another thing, and this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs face. Um, folks who, uh, I'm going to, again, I don't mean to single anybody out, but I'm just telling you where I see some of the trends. If you hear somebody call themselves a heart-centered entrepreneur, for instance, or an empath, what that frequently translates to in the business world is they will have the type of business or view themselves as being in a place in the business where it's a matter of their passion and what titillates them and motivates them and excites them where they couldn't see something like I could outsource this to somebody else. I really am the genius. I really am the brilliant person. And I am the business, so to speak, as, as you said. 
And you know what? To a certain degree, that's true. And I think for some people, that is really where they feel they're at the intersection of their brilliance and passion. And to them, I, I'm not going to start pounding on the desk and saying, no, you need the leverage. You need to find somebody else to coach all but the top five of your clients. You need to double your rates today and blah, 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 because all you're going to do is lose them. Here's the question I would ask. I would say, this is great that you have the type of business where you like to work personally with your clients. And I get, and I'm sure you get the part of what happens if something happens to you and you are the business. So here's the question. What other streams of income should you be developing right now that will enable you to have an income that does not depend on you? So if something happens to you and you're not able to do it, or you decide you don't want to do it anymore, or you get a bug and want to travel the world for a year and don't want to work, what's going to pay the bills? And when you start thinking along those lines, you actually get to have both, but you better have a business plan around that. Exactly. And when they start looking at that, when they start answering that type of question, uh, you know, I'm, my goal is it's, that work less down the road, but it's going to take me a long time to develop through my process. And we all want to do that. We all want to slow down a little bit, especially as we start creeping up on those age numbers. Um, but trying to find someone that will really lay that plan out, they try to think, it. well, you know, I know what I'm doing. It's all in my head. Well, that's great for you, but how many things go through your head at any given time? Well, the last number is with 9,000 uh, marketing pieces a day that we see. And so how does that stick in your head when you're bombarded or the next phone call takes you in, off your your path and you don't realize it? So you've got that track to follow. Oh, yeah, this is what i got to be doing. And as you say, when you start outsourcing and letting somebody else do some of this stuff, if without a, a good marketing plan or a directional plan, they're not going to know what to do. I hired in my insurance practice, I brought in a couple part-time young ladies uh, and say, all right, here's what my plan is. This is what we're going to do this month, this month, this month to these people. And it was all laid out. And I turned it over to them. I didn't have to worry about it because they knew what to do. And they followed it and would report the results. And so a lot of people don't understand it. Even if you're just trying to do it yourself, as we've been talking, you still have to have something to follow to keep you going because there's just no way that you can keep anything in your head. I tried that years ago when I first got started. And, I again, you know, I learned the hard way. That school of hard knocks right. is a good teacher. And so those are the things that I try to impart with people. It's a pencil and paper. Uh, I still use them. And as you said, you know, having that second writing device there, a pen or a pencil, yeah. I uh, When I'm out selling an insurance policy, the last thing I want to do is have my pen go dry, and I don't have to have a backup. So I, I've always carried an extra pen in my pocket for 30 years. Right. Just for that reason, I want to have a backup. And people laughed at me, but they always knew that Dave had an extra pen. And so it is just the little things is having those backup places, you know, in your plan along that same way. You've got a backup strategy that – Okay, I want to try this. If this doesn't work, I can modify it to do this. But I've already thought through those things that's going to save you time and money going forward because you've put that taken the time on the front end to think about what could happen by doing different things. 
Right. Yeah, and and you know, I think that when you look at it that way, uh this also goes back to another principle of business planning, at least as I understand it. You'll correct me if I'm wrong, of course, that there really is no one-size-fits-all. I, I, I mean, because you see this way too often in business coaching, just going back to my example. Somebody comes to you and says, well, you know what? I have this heart-centered business, and I want to work with X number of clients, and then they, everybody cuts them off and says, oh, no, 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 no. You've got to raise your rates. You've got to outsource your coaching. You should hire a junior league of coaches and all that other stuff. But they don't want to do that. So it's a matter of how do we still answer those questions of how can they have the freedom-based lifestyle? How can they have the income that does not depend on their daily involvement that allows them to continue to put the key in the lock even if they can't or won't show up for work that day? So it's a matter of looking at the end goal and understanding that there are different ways to get there. So what I want to circle back to, David, a little bit is a lot of people write business plans because they're seeking outside funding. But I think I'm already answering my own question uh, when I ask, shouldn't you have a business plan even if you're not seeking funding? And what are the differences between the two? Well, you're right. Every every business needs to have a plan. And one of the questions people ask me is, is there any time – that you don't need a business plan, and I say, yes, there is, and that's when you want to fail. In the Small Business Administration, and their studies said that failing to plan is one, of the, is one of the top five reasons businesses fail. And what I found working with clients, the ones that seek funding versus the ones that don't, you need a little extra degree of detail in how you come up with some of your strategy numbers. Uh, one of my clients was opening a restaurant, and we had to go back and research the standard pricing for um, what it took to furnish a restaurant. And you could find us in several documents, but we had figured out his budget based on his startup because we was looking at loan. We had to have a, a budget for his loan startup then an operating budget. And so you had to put those two together and figure out, all right, well, we're going to have to invest in remodel the building. We have to invest in all these uh, fixed costs, or not fixed costs, but uh, utensils and plates and all the amenities that you need to operate a business of a restaurant. So we had to go in and research where we're going to find that. And we went very conservative on this budget just because this was a new venture. He'd had many years' experience. And when we got all done and we projected out that he could grow based on his experience in his product line, and the pricing was done based on uh, standards and where he factored in all his things because we've had those discussions. When we went to the bank, the bank was just overwhelmed but he's sorry, because he forgot to take the supporting documentation. Well, the bank says, where did you get all these numbers at for your investment costs? And he calls me up. I just happened to be in the office, and he says, uh, I need the, that document. I says, I didn't print it out. I, I just emailed it right to the banker, and it pulled up, but it was a recognizable industry standard document. And the guy, he walked out with a check for $125,000 because we had dotted the I's and crossed T's and shown that we had done our research to substantiate where we come up with budgeted numbers. 
what is his average cost, what is he expected for his thing. And being, and I always like to go conservative because it's easier to go with an increase in income than an increase in expenses. To the flip side, when somebody that doesn't need to have funding, and a lot of us bootstrap our, our startups, is you don't need the detail, but you need to have solid numbers. And people come into me with a, what they think, and I say, well, where'd you get them? Well, I just guessed. Well, that doesn't work. You still have to have solid numbers. You just don't have to have that very minute detail to satisfy somebody that's got to address to their higher-ups why they lent you the money. You have to have a good solid plan and solid budgeted numbers and ideas that's going to earn that money, but you don't have to have all the supporting documents for your own self. But other than that, uh, those are the two biggest ones is, you know, because you've got to go up chain when you go to a, any type of loan versus start up with no funds because there's a lot of businesses that don't need funds, but they still need a plan to walk them through that process for the first three or four years. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's very true. And again, even if you're not seeking funding, you got to know where you're going. Uh, and the best way to know whether you're making enough money to turn the key in the lock or to meet your expansion goals is to be able to track and say, this is what we're doing on a, ba on a daily basis. This is what we're doing on a monthly basis. This is what we're doing on a yearly basis. Or everyone wants to or need to break that out. And uh, also having something to measure against. So anything you undertake in the business, you look at and you can ask the question, how is this in line with the business plan? And how is this bringing us closer to the goals we have identified? Well, and that's the other piece that uh, people don't realize that comes with the follow-up to your plan. That's the starting point. But if you don't, like you say, we got to have to have comparisons not only in our budgets but in our goals. If you projected that you want to make uh, the first six months, you think you you know anticipate that you can make forty thousand dollars all right how are you going to get there breaking it all down to a weekly or daily whatever activity it is but at the end of that month are you on track and you've got to compare that at least on a monthly basis to see whether you're ahead or behind and if you're behind okay why and you've got to look at all this data and analyze it what am i not doing that's going to get me to that closer to that goal in the same thing on your financial goals because your sales goals or consulting goals whatever your you set your goals are are directly tied to that budget because your goals translate into dollars and if you're like we talked about earlier is if you don't have the money on Thursday morning to pay your staff or your, even your mortgage where am I going to get that money so having that comparison are we above budget under budget and comparisons uh, year to date, month to date, prior year to date, if you're existing or after you've been in business and accumulate this, you've got to have that comparison to see if you're even on track. In anything you do, you've got to have a basically a profit and loss of all your marketing as well. And a lot of people forget to think about that return on investment. And because we invest so much in our marketing efforts that, oh, we just we're just going to automatically get this return. And frankly, a lot of times it doesn't come to fruition. 
as we think it should. And so I always make sure that people are tracking their expenses on their marketing and what they anticipate from that. We moved our office oh, about 20 years, 15 to 20 years into business. I relocated an office, and so I moved into a new area. So I sat down with my staff, and we planned out what we were going to do. We did a series of postcard mailers. We mailed out probably close to a 1,000 postcards to everybody within a half-mile radius of our new location. So after that, then we put up a billboard. And that was scary just to see your face on a billboard. Uh, but we tracked what our expenses were. And we had our first client came in when we wrote enough business to pay for all our mailer costs and the billboard. So anything after the first client was pure profit. And getting people to understand how that all translates into what you do in making sure that we are following a process of comparing expenses to income or goals that is so crucial to any business success. Right, right. Very true. Very true. So uh, I guess the other thing I'd want to ask here is, as the business plan answer man, which is what you are, David, what tip or suggestion would you give that could be put to immediate use? I, w I would tell people to sit down, if they're just starting to write a plan for the very first time, just sit down with their, their first do it with themselves, what they see the business. And if you've got a significant other or a partner uh, and it's going to be in business, kind of compare notes and see if make sure you're on track and you've got somebody to, you know, to kick you in the backside that's going to keep you moving. You know, that's tip number one, and just break it down into little bites. This is like eating an elephant. You do it one bite at a time. Otherwise, you're going to be overwhelmed. And I always tell people, start with, you know, what what's going to be the mission of your business? Why are you in business? And then once you write that down, put it to a side, get a fresh piece of paper. Start Always start each piece with a fresh paper and kind of look at where you think you're going to be and just write down one year where you want to be, three year, and visualize what that's going to be. And then as you keep doing this process, because everybody can find a template of what should be in a plan, but it what fits in those sections it varies so much by business and industry. So if you look at each little piece at a time, block everything else out and just focus on one piece, even if it takes you a long time to write this, several weeks, but focus on one small piece at a time. That way it keeps that stress level down and saying, oh, I'm never going to get all this filled out. That is my huge, one of the huge tips that I like to tell people is, Slow and steady wins the pace. As everybody told me, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So by taking your time to think about each section of a business plan, what goes in it, and then how to, like I say, your goals in marketing, you know, who's your client, those are going to take some time to figure out, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, there's plenty of folks out there, you know, like myself, that can help you, uh, and we've We've got some great tools that uh, people can work with, but just focus on little pieces.
and then each little piece followed by the next little piece. And so take that fear and stress out by just focusing on small pieces. Right, 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 right. So we're going to circle back to that in a minute. But, you know, what's very interesting, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a segue here because, well, it's a business creators radio show, and we can, is uh, you and I have something in common, which was we're, we're both co-authors of installments in the Journeys to Success series. Um, I am in the Millennial Edition, and you're in a different edition. So tell us a little bit about your experience with the Journeys to Success and what your story was and how um, your story is empowering. And I know you based it on the success principles of Napoleon Hill. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, I've been the, the, the first edition when this was first put together. When I received the, the, the email from uh, Tom Cunningham, you know, it was a no-brainer for me. I jumped right in uh, because I was familiar with Napoleon Hill. And Right. How in looking at that, uh, it has made a difference because, uh, as as you said in the introduction, all these books have went international bestseller. So it adds, anytime you have a book, it adds credibility to what you do. And yeah. so uh, I'm I've, I've just uh, I'm on my third book is already out, and so it's it's been a whirlwind. But that process that we went through. Uh, writing that, it was like a self-reflection. And yeah. it made me more aware of what I had done in my life up to this point. And even before I learned of Napoleon Hill back in the mid-'80s, I was doing some of those things. I had uh, a mastermind group, as I called them, but we never met together. I had certain people I could go to for advice. And I trusted their advice because they weren't afraid to tell me I was full of it uh, versus somebody that's just always going to say, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. And so adding those pieces up, and I, I my journey that I wrote about brought me from uh, working in a factory into the, the insurance business and some of the things that I've learned along the way uh, and uh, the goal setting and Focusing in that definite and a purpose, you know, why am I doing this? And then it really made me understand that I look back and throughout my whole life, my whole adult life, in one form or another, I have dedicated my life to help make a difference in other people's lives. And so when I decided to move into the consulting end for the business plan answer man and up to this point, I, my purpose is, right, how am I going to make a difference in the lives of people that want to follow a similar journey that I went through? And I, by sharing what I've learned and how I've learned it, uh, 30 years experience, if you can share that with people, saves a lot of time and money. And so uh, one of the big things that I talked about, how my, I had the support of my family, my wife and family going through all the things that we did. Um, when uh, in uh, the preface of uh, or the foreword for the, the bottom up, which tied into uh, getting involved with Mr. Brad Zalas, uh, learning about his technique and dealing with millennials, and it helped me make that transition from insurance agent to 
All right, we're going to start another business here after I took a little time off. But it's right. how to deal with people. And had I read his book uh, about two weeks before I did, I'd have probably used different words when I retired from the insurance business with my millennial bosses. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's how that transition in working with that process of journeys to success, it re solidify the business model because of everything involved in that. You know, this is what it's going to cost as we go through this. This is going to be your investment, and this is what we expect our return. And there's just so much to learn in the publishing when you get into a group dynamic like that. And, oh, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And I encourage anybody that's, that's even thinking about it, they can write a book. It's in them. It's just getting that focus to do that and it really helps uh people understand that yes you know what you're talking about uh, especially when you start getting into the levels that that whole series has done uh, and just like i say just, like a somebody has to pinch me because when i look back and say you know we did this guys <laughs> right right very true very true and you know that that's the thing. Uh, maybe I'm hitting the mark that you hit, or maybe I'm bringing up another point. But when you look at things like, uh, you know, should I write and publish a book, or should I contribute to a book, uh, you have to think about that in terms of what is your overall business plan. Um, when I was invited, and again, this is full disclosure stuff, and some of the fellow authors of the edition that I was in listen to this on a regular basis, so they know. Uh, when I uh, was approached to participate in the Journey to Success project, the first time I looked at it, I thought, oh, goodness, this is another one of those things where you pay $10,000 so you can say, I was published next to Mark Victor Hansen. You know what I'm talking about? Where basically the only person that makes the money is the compiler. But Journey to Success is a lot different. Uh, the investment, first of all, is a lot different than $10,000. It's a much lower number, at least when I did it. And it's not very difficult to do. Um, another friend of mine was also approached to do it. And uh, some folks told her, don't do that. Don't participate in one of those. But when I looked at the cost-benefit analysis, uh, my chapter was 3,500 words. And when I turned in my manuscript, I have a screenshot of this. It was exactly 3,500 words. You know uh, how much writing uh, 3,500 words is, David? It's, it's a fair amount, but... It flows so but, quickly when you're writing that story. Let me give you let me give you another perspective. Eight average sized blog posts. Um, if you have a blog and you've written eight eight blog posts to it, uh, chances are you can form those into a chapter. And by way of persuading this person that she should participate in the project, I went to her blog, found seven posts that could be strung together to make a story, did a word count on them, and I said, look, there's Seven posts you've already written, you're at 3,100 words. By the time you spend an afternoon editing and transitioning, you have your chapter. So why aren't you investing in this? Because the return on investment on that particular project was just so great. And as far as how it gets you new clients, when you become part of the Journey Success community, that's a real community of authors. I mean, it's very genuine. The people that run Journey to Success, I, I, can, I can't say enough great things about them. And what uh, being involved in their project has done for my business and my ability to serve. Well, and I agree with you. And when you when you talked about that, when you because I'm not thinking about the blog posts that average 
close to 500 words. Uh, that group, like you say, it's been a real community. And when you get on those calls with all those authors in that group, meeting people from all over the world, that you could contact at any time. Uh, and I was just re- I'm in the middle of a, reading another book, and he talks about the mentor from afar. Right. That's what you end up with in that journey to success piece. Because those are people right. that you can follow. I mean, like, like following you and all you learn from there. Uh, I come away with podcasts with so many notes that sometimes my head spins. I took that many notes in that short of time. <laughs> yeah, uh, exa- exa- exactly. So, yeah. And it does. Great, and it does. Not only does it, you know, it changes your life by helping you business, but it builds your self esteem and you feel better about yourself. Very true. Very true. So, uh, yeah, so actually we are now at the top of the hour. Um, I was glad we were able to take a few minutes on that segue and just share something that you and I have both done. But let's circle it around to business plans here. Uh, you know, we've been talking for most of the past hour on business planning where you remove the fear and the stress. And hopefully, David, some of what you've shared with our listeners today has been helpful. But there may be somebody out there right now on the edge of their seat saying, hey, I want to do this business planning thing. And I don't want it to be fearful. I don't want it to be stressful. Heck, if it could even be fun, I'll take that. So what is the next step for somebody like that who's interested in in making a move? And how can you help our business creators make that step? Well, what I I do is I like to share a template. And underneath my website, thebusinessplananswerman.com, you can download a free template. And what it is is, it's a bulleted point. Here's what goes in this section. Here's some bullet points to kind of help you right. identify what goes in that one. And we've changing things up. And we keep modifying. And there's also a resources I like to hear from people. If you've got questions, uh, I'm glad to answer them because I want to see everybody that starts a business be it a small business owner or entrepreneur, I want them to be successful. That's my goal in life is to make people successful. And so I just encourage you, if you're thinking about it and don't know where to start, shoot me an email at dave at the businessplananswerman.com. A mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. So I'm going to say that domain for folks just one more time. It's www.businessplananswerman.com. And if you're looking at this episode on businesscreatorsradioshow.com or you visit businesscreatorsradioshow.com, go to the, go to the expert section, find David Brown's profile, and there will be a link to that website, businessplananswerman.com, where you'll be able to find that template and a lot more great information. So David Brown, the Business Plan Answer Man, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. Adam, thank you so much. Uh, wish you continued success, and thank you for allowing me to be part of your show. And I look forward to hearing from the listeners to that have questions that I can help them out. Great. All right, for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.